Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Hi, my name is Chris Tilton. I'm the composer of Fringe, and you're listening to Observing the Pattern. The idea of ending their existence consumes me. Welcome back, everyone, to Observing the Pattern, the Fringe podcast on the We Made This podcast network. I'm your host, as normal, Luke Winch, and this is your continuing coverage of season three of the hit TV show Fringe. Today, we are going to be discussing one of my all-time favourite Fringe episodes, not just for season three, but of, of the entire run, uh, episode 10, which is Firefly. Um, and joining me today is someone, I think, who is well-versed in, in discussing a an episode that involves music. It's Caleb Burnett. How are you? Hey, Luke. I'm doing great. Good, 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 good. So it's, it seems like a million years since we last talked. <laughs> totally. Such a long time. Such a long time. If listeners aren't aware, we sometimes do record uh, our episodes back to back just to kind of get things done. So so uh, to you guys, we haven't talked for about seven episodes, but for us, we talked about 10 minutes ago. So... <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, so today's episode then, Caleb, the Firefly. So before we take a deep dive into this and uh, and pull this episode apart, because there is a lot to unpack here, uh, what are your general thoughts on this episode, and what would you give it out of ten? So, uh, and this this may come from the fact that I am a musician, but I I give this episode <laughs> a ten out of ten, um, and that, that there are a lot of reasons for that, um, but you know the music basis is really well done and the overall message of the episode is fantastic and it, this episode also furthers the mythology of the show um a long way um and you know <clears throat> as a musician i i watch this episode and you know i i am really watching how they how they're using music how they're per- portraying musicians and um for for those wondering you know the the musical acting in this episode is is spot on um when when people are playing instruments or playing the piano or or things like that, it's it's really well done and done correctly. And so I I, I love this episode. So yeah, um, I think I would go for about a nine point five. It's high. It, it is high. It's not. It's not quite the ten for me. I, I I don't I don't give many episodes of TV ten out of ten because yeah, I think you can reach before for perfection but you might not quite get it but but i mean this is this is i'd probably say this is in my top five episodes of fringe of all time so it's it's a 9.5 it is up there with the best um yeah you've already yeah you've already said it, it is it's a huge episode in terms of the mythology and the and the overarching story um what you know 
what the observers are trying to make Walter do in in making this decision uh, has a massive impact in the finale of this season. So it's a, it's a really good kind of um, building block of the narrative towards the end game of this season. Um, I also love the fact because I think sometimes in other uh, other TV shows, and it, and it happened in the X Files in the LA years as well, that sometimes a big uh, guest appearance can sometimes be distracting from the story. But I yeah. think in this, I think Christopher Lloyd is absolutely superb in this and he doesn't distract from the story and you believe his his him as Roscoe completely. So, you know, I, I love that aspect about this as well. Yeah, Christopher Lloyd really, really blends in to the to the story in the show just because they, you know, the way they've... <laughs> the little things like his his voice and the way they style his hair he just he he pulls off that aged rock musician well so yeah and also i think you needed an actor of that caliber to kind of uh work opposite john noble who is such a presence anyway so i think i think having him as a kind of uh kind of person to bounce off i think john noble and and christopher lloyd scenes together are some of the most magical in you know in this episode Oh, it's they are they are two the two titans of this episode. Like they are both, they're both pretty iconic people, and so the the when they interact in this episode, it's outstanding. Yeah, absolutely. And I did read uh, up on an interview uh, where John Noble said he had some of the most fun he's had on set of Fringe when he got to work with Christopher Lloyd. So, and I think that really shines through as well in their performances. Yeah. So I think without further ado, then let's take a deep dive into the Firefly. I think you can tell from the outset, especially on the previously on section, that this is going to be an observer heavy episode. It's going to be a critical episode in, in, the, in the overarching story, particularly when it comes to Walter uh, and Peter's relationship and the implications of what could happen to Peter and the machine. So that's that's definitely an undercurrent that, that, that comes here. So we open with Walter try, trying to inject himself in the middle of the night to. Uh, to make him smarter um, yeah. with Peter coming down. I love Peter's reaction. We just sees Walter with his pants down and, you know, ready to inject himself in his bum. It's a great, it's a great moment. Yeah. And you've got Manamana playing, which <laughs> just makes it even better. And Peter said, <laughs> Peter says that this is not actually me. It's an astral projection of myself. <laughs> I'm actually still yeah. in bed and he's, he's trying to see if Walter's high and it's, it's great. Yeah, it's a great moment. Um, and kind of under all this humour of the scene, there's there's this thing that that Walter kind of struggles with through this season is that he feels inferior to Walter and its intelligence because he's lost that part of his brain um, that he asked William Bell to take out. He, he feels inadequate to the task at hand. Um, and that's, you know, it runs through this episode, but it also runs through the rest of the season as well. Yeah, he's that that struck me. He said I'm trying to make myself smarter so and and think like the other Walter. That that really struck me that he's like actively trying to do that. So. Mm, yeah. And then Peter's kind of warning him, "Well, you asked William Bell to to remove those parts for a reason because you could become dangerous and cold and calculated like Walter." Now. It's a it's a really interesting little layer that they put into the story there. Yeah. And I mean, Walter and it, is busy trying to defend the other universe and and prime walter is trying to think like him so it's it's a really great dynamic 
Yeah, definitely. Um, and then the other half of, of the cold open is we're introduced to Roscoe, who's kind of wandering down the hallway, and uh, the nurses on the CCTV camera see him talking to someone. Uh, they, they run and get him. The young man's vanished. Um, but we do find out that it is, in fact, Roscoe's son, who died in 1985. So, And I, I love that immediately at the premise of this episode, you know, there's an immediate connection between Walter and Roscoe in the fact that they both lost their sons in 1985. So you get that connection straight away. <clears throat> yeah, that that was the, you know, that's that's the interesting connection is the 1985 thing. And um, I mean, unrelated, but, you know, it, it, you were saying that the, the guest star at times distracts from the story a little bit. And, you know, when they said he lost his son in 1985 immediately with Christopher, Christopher Lloyd, my mind went back to the future Yeah, because, yeah. because 1985 and you know, whether, whether that was purposeful as a reference to back to the future or something with the writers or showrunners or something, I don't know. But like, I, I definitely had both thoughts where it was like, they have that in common with 1985, but also like it, it reminded me of back to the future. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. I mean, whether that was intentional or not, I am sure the writers kind of took a hold of that and went, okay, that's a that's a nice little nod. It's a nice little kind of in-joke there. So mm-hmm. I, I, yeah, I bet they had that in their heads, even if it wasn't intentional in the first place. Yeah. Um, so after the credits, then, we we, uh, we get this first scene um, in, the, in the nursing home. We get our proper introduction to Roscoe and uh, Walter and the team go to see him. Um what struck me, it's, it's quite weird because you can watch a TV show that you haven't watched in a while again and you take different things from it for different reasons because your life experience changes. And yeah. and I've just started a, a new job and over the past six weeks uh, and I, I work in a nursing home now, in a care home. Oh, wow. Okay. And Yeah. And it, uh, it made me see this these, these scenes in the nursing home quite differently and it, it, it kind of hit me uh, that Christopher Lloyd... First, his performance of an old man in a nursing home, and you know, in his physicality, he he looks very frail, and as as though he's his kind of motor neurons aren't working, and he 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 can't kind of move properly. And I, I think he gets that. So it's so authentic, yeah. um, and it hit me in a way that it, it never had before. And that's that's really interesting and really really good to know because like it 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 totally felt authentic to me as well. So yeah, and we get kind of more evidence of the thematic connection with, with Roscoe and Walter. Um, and Walter is not only a huge fan of the band that he was in, the Violet Sedan Chair. What a name, eh? For a band. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's great. But also his empathy for Roscoe is immediately apparent in this scene where where Roscoe talks about, um, or the nurses talk about Roscoe losing his son. Yeah, and like... Roscoe talks about I I loved when Roscoe said says you know my son came back to me it's a miracle like and he mm. says to Walter he says can you imagine and Walter says yes I can <laughs> and I I thought that was like just a great link right there so yeah definitely um and another kind of small narrative thread that also runs through this episode is this uh, continuing struggle with Olivia and Peter to to come to terms with, with what's happened. And um, in the previous episode, Marionette, you know, we saw Olivia break down in her apartment because she's she's so kind of 
agonizing over the fact that Folivia stole her life for a certain amount of time and and those implications really run through this episode particularly with this kind of gift of the book that Peter um originally planned to give to Folivia not knowing that it wasn't Olivia but but that Olivia can't accept it anymore what was your thoughts on this kind of little narrative thread that went through I I mean, there's just this subtle tension between Peter, Peter and Olivia through the whole episode, honestly, and it just it gives some sort of uh, it just shows that Peter is as much as he presents as a very you know confident, strong person. He has this sensitive side, and he wanted to get her his favorite book, and but. It was for the other Olivia, and he didn't know that at the time. And I mean, it just—it's a—it's a new uh, layer of the Peter Olivia dynamic that's really interesting. So, yeah, it's 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 really interesting. It's really clever how the writers have kind of they've used these everyday emotions that that we've that that we may have experienced in life. This this emotion of betrayal. Uh, of maybe someone having an affair that you're that you're involved in either you're the recipient or, or the victim of it um so taking that kind of if you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes insomnia brain fog moodiness or weight gain you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging the experts at midi health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause and midi can help with safe effective fda approved solutions covered by insurance 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If if you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durban Marshall credit card bill. Kind of mundane thing about having an affair with someone and, and betraying your, your lover. They've, they've applied that into this kind of fantastical element of the story where Peter has fallen in love with Olivia, who isn't really Olivia. It's, it's, a, really, it's a really fascinating dynamic that, they, that they've given the show by yeah, using it's no it's it's like your your lover is is with someone else who they think is you and in a way it is you because you look the same you act the same you have similar similar memories similar similar knowledge um and but there's just subtle differences and so it it yeah it definitely makes the the idea of a an unfaithful lover or something like that really interesting so mm. and the book i think is interesting because i think later on peter says you know the book is about uh not relying on anyone else to make your your kind of decisions and he, he talks about how he he finds it hard to open up to people um olivia finds it hard to open up to people so this kind of book is this kind of MacGuffin that that is used to basically say to each other that they need to start opening up and being and being truthful about their feelings. Cause I think Olivia is very much at the minute where she, 
she's she's lying quite frequently to peter because every time peter's like are you okay she's like yeah yeah i'm fine and we know she's not she's struggling she's she's really torn apart inside because she's missed all these things that peter shared with folivia it's a really it's a i mean usually you know when it comes to romantic stuff on 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 tv shows sometimes i it doesn't i don't connect with it um but it really it really makes this call it a love triangle very interesting and fascinating and engaging yeah and i it sort of in a way you know the the relationship between folivia and peter is is interesting but in a way this just gives this whole situation just gives more validity to peter and prime olivia just in in many many ways just because like this folivia will never be prime olivia so mm, yeah it's really interesting and i i i think it's uh i think the show kind of sorts it out um very naturally and i think it's not until um immortality i think no not immortality it's the episode before subject 13 so it takes it takes a while it takes a nearly half the season for them to start trusting each other again or olivia to trust peter again um and for them to kind of open up and find that moment where they were starting to fall in love again yeah so yeah so i love this uh i love these scenes with walter and roscoe and there's quite a few of these scenes dotted about so we'll kind of we'll talk about these scenes as a uh, as a whole because i think it's a, a lot easier so yeah i love this kind of playful seesaw between walter's fanboying to this musician that, that he has absolutely adored for so long and then you've got that balanced with this kind of painful pull of the family and the revelation later which we'll get to which is just gut-wrenching yeah but I absolutely love how Walter explains that Roscoe's mind doesn't work like ours and it, it works through the language of music. So as discussed, this is something that you that you can connect with here, Caleb. Ab- absolutely, yeah. When he when he talked about like the way that Roscoe communicates being through music more than anything else, like I I absolutely relate to that, like on a direct level. And um it, that whole initial scene where Ross goes at the piano and he's talking about that night and he's playing this very touching little progression on the piano and it's it's interesting to, that moment was interesting to me because what what Roscoe Christopher Lloyd is playing on the piano um it it melds with the underscore of the episode for a minute and it's sort of you know it portrays the connection that's being made between like these these memories he needs to find and the music is letting him do that and it's this moment this really synchronous moment and then olivia's cell phone rings and it the you know it's yeah. broken um, and I, I, I really, I really relate to the, you know, the communication through music thing, but also, you know, out outside noises or, you know, your cell phone or things like that, breaking, breaking that momentarily. So that I, I really love that moment. Yeah. I, I, I really liked the idea of this, uh, this kind of mechanical intrusive sound of, of, of our everyday technology kind of intruding into this 
moment of muse and this moment of remembrance. Yeah, and and to me, it's almost like you know, the the scientific interrupting the natural, like breaking yeah. up what's natural, which is interesting. So yeah, I like that as well, and I think it also speaks to for me anyway. It it speaks to. The fact that we we all need our moment in nature, we all need our moment to kind of relax and and do what we love and put technology aside. You know, get off our phones for an hour or so, and uh, and kind of just be with ourselves. And I I kind of thought about that as I watched that moment. Absolutely, I mean, every <clears throat> I think like society as a whole has become, you know, in a situation where we we all communicate through technology when mm-hmm. you know there are there are other important ways for us to communicate whether it's music or other passions so yeah and it's kind of meta in a way that 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 moment is is saying that we can speak through art and you know tv shows is a form of art and they are explaining that through art so it's a a really clever meta moment as well absolutely yeah so yeah so we need to talk about this kind of notion then, and it's a big thing that runs through this episode and the previous episode that me, me and you did, which is this notion of the butterfly effect, cause and effect. Yeah. Um, which is kind of the linchpin of what the observers are all about. And what did you think then to this kind of aspect of this entire episode is literally September's experiment that that Roscoe was, uh, you know, the whole thing with... with September bringing Roscoe's son into the future to tell Roscoe that he's going to meet Walter Bishop um, and all, you know, and and the Observer's going to stop the robbery. And it's all these things, because when you're watching it, particularly for the first time, it's all these random things that, you know, September does. He he stops the robbery. He takes the lady's uh, inhaler, asthma inhaler, and pockets it. And you're wondering at the time, why is he doing this? And then it all clicks into place as the episode's you know, goes on. Yeah. I mean, he, he does every little thing for a reason. And so that Walter and Peter are thrust into certain situations. And I think, you know, the, one of the greatest moments of this episode is Walter and September's conversation when they're in a park or wherever they are, but they're just walking and talking about how, you know, something as small as Peter catching a firefly had an effect on something a mile away where a little girl didn't catch a firefly and, you know, the domino effect of that. So it's, it's amazing. I, I, I love like the unexpected effects of tiny things in this episode. Yeah. I love that moment with, with, uh, with, with September talking about, yeah, where he, you know, he tells a story about Peter catching a firefly, which then stopped that girl, which then stopped her from going home. And the father starts worrying and drives out in the rain uh, and runs over a pedestrian. Um, and that whole sequence of events that he talks about, and then he's doing the very same thing, but he's doing it intentionally to to get Roscoe to meet Walter, to, to have those two meet and make that connection with their sons. Um and all these events that lead up to um, September wanting Walter to have the ability to let Peter go. And it's it's just the structure of the episode I find extraordinary. It's 
it's just fantastic. Like you, they have that conversation in the park, and he talks about how this small firefly action has this ripple effect that caused a pedestrian to be hit in an intersection in the rain. And at the time, you you think you know that's he's just you know giving Walter an anecdote to show him like actions have consequences. But actually, like, the situation he's talking about is Roscoe's son, and that's how mm. he died. Um, and so, yeah. Yeah, I mean, we, let's, let's talk about that scene, um, which is it's such a heartbreaking revelation. And there's two things in this scene that, that really kind of jumped out at me. One, I, think, I thought Christopher Lloyd was just brilliant. He was he was just heartbreaking, and he, he gives a really um, emotional performance here and something that i've never actually seen him do in anything else uh so it was a really it was a really refreshing and lovely moment to to kind of see him do some proper dramatic acting yeah i you know now that you say that i you know i don't i don't know that i can think of another time where christopher lloyd was that affected and emotional with with tears welling in his eyes you know it's it's was very very effective hmm and then the other thing that jumped out at me, which was a kind of character moment, which is I am I'm amazed that Walter, and it's a proof that he's come a long way as well, is that he's able to keep his composure when he realises that the pedestrian was Roscoe's son. Yeah. Particularly when Roscoe says, it's nobody's fault, and the cut goes straight to Walter's face. Yeah. How Walter kept his composure is, is, is testament to how far he's come as a character. Yeah, well, and I think I think you and I have talked about this before, but like just how first of all, how un- Walter understands that you know he the things he did in the past are having consequences now, but also he's he's aware of that and he's now like determined to make it right and make it better, and that that to me is sort of linked to him being able to keep his composure just because he's, he seems so determined to make things right. So, yeah. And it kind of adds fuel to the fire as well for him wanting to, to create this smart serum to get him to, to be smarter and to try and outwit Walton. So that, that, I mean, that in itself is, is it makes him want to do it more. And that, and that scene after where, where he goes to Astrid after the conversation with Roscoe, um, and you can see this, it's frustration, it's it's the need to get things done. Um, and, and I think it's, it's, that, uh, it's that frustration and that emotional, not breakdown, but that emotional kind of undercurrent that makes his, uh, that, that makes his smart serum um, not correct and that it could possibly kill him, uh, which we find out later, which we'll talk about soon. But it's, well, it's also it's also sort of a parallel to, you know, in the episode we talked about previously, Walternet tells Brandon like, you know, the way to fix the uh, anxious, stressed out patients is to submerge them in water. Something really basic, mm. like, and don't don't think too hard about it. And you know, it's sort of similar here where. Walter is is thinking too hard and and trying a little too hard with this, which is part of probably why his his serum was wrong, and so he just, I mean, he sort of needs to take Walter Nitt's advice and just sort of not think about it too much. Do do the basic thing. Do what 
do what you know is right. So yeah, and also what's you know what what makes it all <clears throat> all the more powerful is that September knows that Walter's emotional state will make him make mistakes, and he intended to do that because yep. he wants Peter then to drink the milk concoction. So it's all these emotional scenes and all these kind of emotional moments that are all manufactured by September. And it's, it's, it's those layering. It's this whole kind of say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All the different layers that run through all these scenes. It's, I, I, it's a... It's a remarkably structured episode, but also what it shows as well is that these writers and the showrunners, they're planning quite far ahead. They're not making this up as they go along because they're using they're using the event of Walter and Peter falling through the ice in Lake Raiden and the Observer saving them, which sets off this snowballing effect of cause and effect. Um, You know, and it, it shows that these writers know what they're doing and they are planning ahead and it really shows. Absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah. So then we get uh, these sequence of events then. And Walter was told by the observer, um, give me the keys and save the girl. Um, And this is the moment that kind of takes you by surprise because you don't expect Peter to say it, do you? Yeah. I, that moment was just it shook me honestly because like instead of some paraphrase of it like it was exactly what the observer said and it yeah though then also like the way it shakes walter in that moment is is great so yeah i mean what's also struck me just now actually is is um i'm not sure if it's a contradiction in storytelling or or, or what but so we know that Walter taking Peter from the other side and September saving them both has caused this uh, sequence of events and the and the upset of balance of the universe. Um, yet September insisted way back when that the boy must live. So is this something that the Observer did not see happening? these kind of events and the firefly and everything like that is, is this something that uh, September, you know, he knows he's made a mistake and he's trying to rectify it. I mean, you can kind of call back to the episode August where, where you have this observer who gets emotionally attached to a small girl and follows her through life. And he inadvertently upsets the balance of things. So what's your thoughts then on, on, on that and how the character of September He's, do you think he's evolving 
an emotional attachment to Peter and Walter? And is that then having an adverse effect on his actions? Yeah, I think a big part of it is he's he's had he has a relationship with Walter now. Mm-hmm. I I loved in this episode I mean I I love any time when the observer shows up to the lab, but I loved it in this episode because every time the observer shows up at the lab, the camera just lingers on Walter. It doesn't show the observer until it absolutely yeah. has to. And it, because it, the observer speaks and Walter knows exactly what's going on <laughs> and is like, Oh, gotta go. And I think, you know, September says the boy has to live because partly because probably he has to live to a certain point, but also, I mean, I think September knows that things aren't going to go exactly the way they are supposed to. And like that, that maybe is the one thing that has to like, that has to make it through, you know, future, future situations is that Peter has to live to, to certain points. So, yeah, it's a, it's a really interesting theme that, that Peter is this boy who has to live and then has to die. I find that a very interesting kind of uh, character arc as well. Well, and I think, I think September is also just because he has a relationship with Walter is trying to give Walter a little bit more time with Peter. Like I had, I also had that thought. Uh, I mean, yes, he's, he has to live and he's going to have to die, but September also has this emotional attachment and relationship to Walter and Peter and wants them maybe to have a little bit more time. So, mm. and it's interesting as well. The other observer, I can't remember. He might be December. I think he's December. Um, but even he has doubts about September's experiment and whether it will work and whether Walter has matured and grown to the point where if if the situation arose that he could let go of Peter. So, I mean, even September's making a gamble, which is something that's that's a much more human trait than an observer trait. Yeah, I loved in this episode the scenes where the observers were meeting and speaking about what's happening because they're very inhuman characters who are having human situations where they are they are doubting each other or they're uh, having emotional attachments to things and they're they're seeing the consequences of that. So, mm, definitely. And again, we're reminded as well because the observers have remained a mystery. We still don't know a lot about them. We get little hints. Um, I mean, even Walter says they're not human. And it's it's interesting how they kind of grew the mythology of the observers. Um, I do love the scene, the the scene where he stops the robbery. And he's just catching the bullets. Oh, I. That's so great. I like watching that. I just chuckled out loud, not because it's funny, but just because it's so awesome. Like he's just so casual and knows exactly where everything is going to be and exactly what is going to happen and just catching bullets it's it's so great <laughs> yeah it, yeah it's, it's i mean he's just a badass in that scene really isn't he yeah which is great because i like it when the observer's a badass so yeah it makes him a fun character so yeah so we get this sequence of events that happens where walter is is terrified to let peter go because he thinks that september's going to take him away from him again um and then 
yeah, when Peter says, give me the keys and save the girl, Walter is just like, no, 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 no. And it's a, I love this moment between father and son here where Peter's like, you know, you have to save this girl. She's going to die here on the road. You have to stop worrying about my life and save hers and I'll go after the observer. Yeah. It's, it's just a great father and son moment in the middle of this action. Yeah, I mean, you don't expect Peter. Peter says, "Give me the keys and save the girl." Like exactly what the observer says, and there's just a like a stop in time there, as they look mm. at each other and they're like, Walter at first is like he realizes that's what the observer wants him to do for the first time. Like this is the moment, but at the same time he is for a second willing to like defy the observer because he's worried about his son, but then he chooses not to. So yeah. And that's kind of a moment, isn't it, where he chooses to let Peter go. And that's kind of, I mean, even though even though uh, this event isn't really the event that Walter feared, where Peter would die, because that comes later with the milk. But it is, it is a moment of Walter trusting what will happen will happen. Yeah, I mean, and it's, it's him letting Peter go not to not to die but just just to go to like be out of Walter's watch for a minute which mm. is al- is also important i think so yeah definitely um so there's one interesting moment i want to pick up on in the chase uh, between Walter and the observer at uh, Walter Peter and the observer um there's a moment where they kind of face each other on the uh, roof and september goes it must be difficult being a father now, I found this really interesting because obviously in the context of the episode, uh, we're talking about Walter's decision that he's going to have to make uh, quite soon about, you know, allowing Peter to go uh, and, and allowing Peter to die. But in a wider context, this could also hint at Peter's fatherhood, which is which is comes in the future, because we know the observers see time in a different way. What, yeah. what were your thoughts on, on that line and, and the implications of this and this kind of chase scene as a whole as well? This, you know, this scene reminded me of the first time Peter meets the Observer September in the woods, and it felt felt like a little bit of a parallel of that. But I think I think the Observer just, I mean, he yeah, he knows Peter is going to be a father, but he also like sees the value of Peter and how powerful and smart Peter is, and his understanding of things, and uh, the immediate thing that I took from that moment is that the observer was sympathizing with Walter like, and how hard it is for Walter to let Peter go because the observer sees how, how smart and powerful and important Peter is. So. Yeah. And again, it's, it's quite an emotional sentence to say it's, you you couldn't say that without any emotional attachment to those words. And it's, I, I, I always find it interesting that September started out as this very uh, alien person with with no human emotions but you can see him growing their attachment yeah totally and there's one bit that 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 uh that i did kind of laugh at which is i think it's the moment where olivia is chasing him and we see him going up the ladder and she goes up the ladder and then the camera shifts f- behind her so she stood on the roof and then he, st- he stood about 50 feet away and it was like a split second. I was thinking, you know, does he have a super jump or something? Because he was yeah, really yeah. far away. I just found it a very odd moment. Yeah. I mean, uh, it, you know, the September is becoming more like a human, but it, it it just felt, you know, just 
very futuristic and how powerful he is in that moment. He was just like, there was no way he was going to catch up. Yeah, it's like the unlocking of a car with his finger, which is always Yeah, like. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we get to this goodbye scene between Walter and Roscoe, which is a very bittersweet one, isn't it? Uh, you have the undercurrent of Walter's guilt kind of underlying this scene. Yeah. Um, what was your thoughts on, on this kind of goodbye scene and, and Roscoe's kind of line saying no one is meant to have a second chance? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Is it, well, I, I loved that he said, come visit me sometime. Like, I'll yeah. play you some music. I, I loved that. But yeah, he says, nobody's supposed to have a second chance like that. And it's, it's like so great the way that ties this, you know, unique story into the mythology of the entire show. Like, that just relates directly to Walter. Like, yeah. and it's... Uh, I don't know. I mean, it's just great writing. And I mean, yeah, I mean, and also just authentic Christopher Lloyd just sold that so well. And oh, yeah. Um, you know, it, one, one of my favorite parts about that situation is he talks about his son. My son had a dream that he came and saw me and I was old. And and this is like we've caught up to that now. And mm. I think like. He he realizes that and like he he appreciates it because he realizes the value of it. So yeah, and I think in another kind of theme, maybe you can take away from this is is the is the loneliness of being older and being an old person. Yeah, um, and I think having these scenes in the context of a nursing home really kind of drives that home as well. Um, yeah, and that like you said the bit where he says you know come visit me sometime it's it's such a poignant moment um because i know that these you know these these older people they they need that social interaction and totally and they can be quite lonely and it's uh, yeah i kind of took that way again it you know it's it's, it's an element that i don't think i would have taken away from this episode five years ago um it's you know it's all relevant to where you are in your life at the minute yeah yeah so Walter and Peter are kind of a bit befuddled because they don't know why September's done what he's done because they're not sure what the result was. And then we do get the result when uh, Peter's taken his, his aspirin for his headache and he he grabs that old milk concoction out the fridge and uh, and has a seizure. That whole scene was very stressful and it's stressful because it's well done and you have... Walter just desperate to make sure Peter is okay and he he can't remember where he's put things and he's trying to communicate to Olivia how to do this and man uh, just very very stressful moment yeah it's a really stressful scene and it's a combination of again John Noble just absolutely killing it with his performance of of Walter the the quick edit and the direction and everyone involved actually in that scene it is a really stressful scene and you you really kind of feel in the moment there um and this was september's endgame you know this was the situation he wanted all along to allow that moment for walter for one minute to believe that peter could die and accepting that he could in that moment where the where the phone is silent yeah, well, and that I had that realization. Like, that's why the observer is doing all of this to just like get Walter close enough to feeling that and accepting it for a second. Yeah, I mean, and that's 
pretty much this episode. I mean, it's uh, what kind of strikes me uh, now, actually thinking about it, is this this is pretty much placed in the in the middle of this season, and I think it's uh, I think it's a really good transitioning period from the first half of the season, which was very much an over here, over there um, alternate episodes, and then from here on, we are we are we're kind of we're chasing the myth of the first people. We're 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 driving towards the, the machine being built and and Peter's involvement in that. So this is a real pivotal episode in the season. Have you got any kind of final thoughts on on this episode and and where it's placed in the, in the, in the season? I yeah, I mean it's it's placed exactly where it needs to be because there is just it's full of foreshadowing for mm. later um, and. You know the cl- the closing of the episode is the observers discussing again, and they say he was Walter was willing to let Peter die, and when the time comes, he will be willing to do it again. Yeah, and like it, you you just know because they're because they are saying that right then that it's that it's going to happen, but at, but you don't know when, and so this this episode is just just really really well structured and and well written. It's great. Yeah, I mean, this is what Fringe is amazing at. And this is what the writers are amazing at because, because I think the episode could easily collapse un- under the weight of all the stuff that's in here, and it manages to hold up very stable. Uh, it really taps into the core themes of the show, um, of consequences, actions and reactions, the familial aspect to it of of Walter and Peter. Yeah, it it it, it tackles all the core themes in the show. And it's kind of saying, you know, from this point onwards, all this foreshadowing, you better be ready because this, the last 10 episodes is going to be a ride. Yeah. I mean, you see in this episode, lots of little things happening that don't quite make sense at the time, Mm. but then you see them all, the consequences of them all play out right in front of you, just, just directly and plainly. Um, And I think, you know, that's that's what happens from here on out in the season is you, you just see everything play out that is set up here. So, yeah, no, absolutely. I think you're right. Because I think you could, you could almost see this episode as a microcosm of what season three is in that you might've had some pretty random stuff happening that you don't know what's going to, why it's connected or how it's connected to anything. And then from here on, you're going to get some connections made and events happening that, that are spiraling towards the end game of season three right and you i mean as a whole you know you you would think that one man taking his son from the alternate universe wouldn't have that huge of consequences but in the end the consequences are pretty dire so yeah the sins of the father is very much a, a huge theme that runs through the entire show yeah so we fade to black and uh and that's it for this episode um silly question did you see the observer of course you did yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he plays a pretty pivotal role in this. <laughs> I I enjoyed that, you know, in the previously on section of this episode like they showed everything about the observer basically from the mm. beginning. Um and I, you know, the, they didn't have to show all of that, but they chose to. So Yeah, I love that. I saw some scenes from Arrival which I did way back when with Tony. Um and I remember that first episode, you know, when I first watched it and we, we got introduced to the Observer um, and you're always kind of craving an Observer episode every now and then. And uh, yeah. you certainly get one with this one. The cipher, again, cryptic as hell, but the word is unites. 
Any okay. thoughts on Unite? Uh, I mean, that just makes me think about the connection between Walter and Roscoe. Like, yeah. they have they have similar life situations. They both lost their son, and the Observer's actions were meant to unite them um, and, and help them remember, like, what's happening. I'll take that. I'll take that. That's, cool. That's a good enough connection for me. <laughs> <laughs> um, so then, Caleb... In this episode, what was your favourite moment, quote, or Walterism of the episode and why? You actually get a proper Walter Walterism for this one. True, yeah, proper Walter. Um, I think, you know, my favourite moment of the episode is that stop in time that I spoke to when Peter says, give me the keys and save the girl. And it's because in that moment when Walter looks at Peter, you see the subtle differences between in John Noble's acting between this Walter and Walternet. Like, yeah. this... And in that moment, I just had a realization of, like, this Walter is is a lot more human and, and worried about... worried about other human beings, especially his son. But then he has to take the second and, like, okay, I have to say... I have to save this other human being first. And so, I, yeah, I think that that moment was my favorite, just because of just subtle things that John Noble did. So, mm, yeah, yeah, great moment, absolutely great moment. Um, I think mine is a it's a small um, it's a small snippet from the big uh, kind of monologue that the, that the observer has when he's talking to Walter in the park. Um, but the snippet is. Because every action causes ripples, consequences both obvious and unforeseen. And I, I like that line because it it plays into the fact that September has realised that he may have done the wrong thing by saving Peter and Walter because it's caused all this unbalancing of the universe. It, it's it's a small moment of doubt in a in a being that shouldn't be doubting anything. Yeah, and he's it's. It's big because he's he's saying that to Walter to try and communicate the, that to Walter, but he's mm. September is also saying that to himself. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, absolutely. Wow, what an episode! It's such a good episode. Yes. So that's it for today. Again, Caleb, thank you very much for coming on the show and talking with me about this uh, fantastic episode. Yeah, this was great. I I love this episode so much. And we're going to have you on again, I believe, for O's. Yes, we are. <laughs> I can't. I can't say. I can't say O's without it's. You know, it's a. It's a weird thing to say. But O's, uh, which is, <laughs> which is uh, about one, two, three, four, five, six episodes down the line. So that's yeah. also an interesting one. Uh, I, I I recently watched that. It's a. It's a. It's a good one to chat with. So until then, where can people find you on the World Wide Web? Any projects you want to uh, mention to the lovely people? Uh, you can find me on all social media at Caleb Composed, and uh, you can hear my music and some of my projects at CalebBurnettMusic.com. Cool. Excellent. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Luke underscore Winch personally. You can find me on the We Made This podcast network. I co-host a Star Trek show called Make It So with Kurt North. Uh, another Star Trek show called Rayleigh Going with Craig McKenzie. Um they're both on hiatus at the minute, but as soon as their season twos begin, we shall be back on air for that. You can find all sorts of uh, other podcasts on the We Made This podcast network. Please visit the website, which is we uh, we made this. 
network.com. Uh, all sorts of popular culture podcasts about film, music, TV and popular culture all across the board. So there's there's a lot to explore. Please go and check that site out. Until then, people, take care and we shall see you next time over here. Observing the Pattern was created by Andrew Brooker and Tony Black and is produced by Tony Black and Luke Winch for the We Made This Podcast Network. Please subscribe on Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star rating and review to help more people find the show. You can find the podcast on Twitter at the OTP Podcast and on Facebook by typing in Observing the Pattern. You can also find We Made This on Facebook and on Twitter at We Made This Pod where you can find shows on film, TV, music and broader popular culture. Also check out our website, wemadethispod.com. Thanks again for listening. Elsewhere on We Made This. Cerebral jukebox. She was like, okay, you want to play? You want to play spin the pot with me? Now, as a 13-year-old, I was probably one of the most nervous wrecks on the face of the planet. I was like, well, I can't just like play. I'm not playing with like everyone, like everyone says. I was like, oh no, like, can we play spin the like, Yeah, but that would just be, oh, Jesus, I'm just a kisser. So, so that's what happened. Life's Milestones. With me at this time is Alexa. Alexa, hello. Hi there. So, my first ever electronic guest here on Life's Milestones. Alexa, how old are you? I'm as old as my tongue and a little older than my teeth. Or I would be if I had any. Sorry, I'm being silly. What do you expect from a five-year-old? Thanks for being interested in me. Here's another fun thing. Try asking me to sing you a silly song. Pretty Fly, a 90s nostalgia podcast. In the modern day, the harmonica, it's, it's a sophisticated instrument of, of class and distinction. <laughs> yeah, it, it's right up there with, with the... With the harpers chord and you know the the cathedral organ. Did you just say the harpers chord? Yes. You mean the harpsichord? <laughs> I do mean the harpsichord. Thank you for that. <laughs> like, hang on a minute. Did this guy just say harpers chord? <laughs> I did. Oh, oh who's sophisticated now? Check out all of these shows and more on the We Made This podcast network. Guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere 
and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.